Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hey, y'all. I'm Mary Payne Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Pain in the Pod. Today, I have a really interesting guest, Sheila Wysocki. Sheila is a private investigator and has an interesting podcast called Without Warning, which covers the Lauren Agee case. Just to give you a brief overview of the case, 21-year-old Lauren Agee went to Wakefest, which was a local weekend wakeboarding festival on a lake in Tennessee with a few friends, and they had a campsite nearby on the top of a cliff. On the second morning of the event, her friends woke up to find her gone. No one looked for her, and they didn't report it to the police. They went right onto the festival and just partied all day. Well, her body was later found in the water far away from where she could have possibly fallen from the campsite. No one has ever been charged in the case, and her death was ruled an accidental falling off the cliff. But the police work and the investigative work was lacking, to say the least. Sheila, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for talking about the case. It's so important. Well, I'm in several Facebook groups and things where just, you know, people will recommend like, oh, hey, did you listen to this? And this one popped up. Someone recommended it to someone else. And I just, you know, because I have a podcast about podcasts, I jumped right in and said, ooh, tell me about it. Is this something I need to listen to? And they said, yes, you should definitely cover it. So I listened to the whole thing in about two days. Oh, wow. Um. So tell me, just just for my listeners, tell everyone how you got involved in the case to start with, and then I want to know how you decided to turn that into a podcast. But tell me how you got involved in the case uh, in the beginning. First of all, thank you for having me. Secondly, how I began uh, the Lauren Agee case, Lauren's mom contacted me, and I originally told her no because I had too many cases. However, Lauren's mom, Sherry, is pretty persistent. And she caught me at a weak moment where I said, go ahead and send me um, the information. She sent me a letter that was so heartbreaking. I can't even talk about it today without crying. So it was describing her daughter and what she, Sherry, had been through trying to find the truth. And so I looked at the case and she was right. It was the most horrific case as far as the way that they had conducted the investigation that I told her I would work it, but it would, you know, I'd have to work her in from my other cases. I took the case and told Sherry I'd have to work her in as far as between my other cases. So I took the case and started working it. And what I found was so many things were not done in the original case. After going through the court system, I told the family that they should drop the case and that they would never see justice in DeKalb County. After that, we were trying to decide, well, what do we do? And I had an intern at that time who brought up, you know, Uh, up and vanished and serial. So I listened to those 
And then my son is like this big podcasting kid, knows everything about podcasting and loves it, has been doing it since middle school. And I had him explain what it meant. So it's basically radio is when I understood it. And um, I decided the only way we're going to get Lauren's story out is if I produce a podcast and put it out myself versus giving it to, we did 2020 and we did Crime Watch. But what happens is in those situations, there's a lot of lawyers that say we can't say things. Mm -hmm. And, And in podcasting, I can say them. And not that I won't get into trouble for saying them, but I can put out the truth and the truth is the ultimate defense. So that's what I did. And on July 26 at 430, with the help of some people from Resonate Recordings, because I didn't even know how to launch it, I got the podcast out and we did it at 430 because that's when her body was found on that day. Oh, Wow. So Lauren's mom comes to you and she says she's doing a she was trying to do two cases, right? She was doing like a wrongful death against the other the other kids that were there, which was Hannah and Aaron and Chris. But she was also doing a wrongful death case against the county as well. And you told her to drop that one. Is that right? No. Well, when and I probably went through a little too fast So originally when I took it, we didn't know anything. So I had to take it from ground level. And as I was building up what happened, she had in Tennessee, you have one year to file a wrongful death. And I took the case in January. July was coming really fast. So she had to file wrongful death. So she filed it right I think I believe she filed it on the day of her daughter's death then. And that was filed. And then we went to the first hearing. And when we went to the first hearing, I was like, boy, you are in trouble. This judge is not going to go your way. And he didn't. He threw Hannah's case out. And then as time went on, he tried to put a gag order on her, meaning if Sherry talked, she would go to jail. It wasn't one of those, you know, you need to stop. It is, if you do this, you're in contempt. And Sherry called me and said, what do I do? And I said, drop the cases. The podcast is bringing in tips. You only care about finding out what happened. Drop the cases. And she did. Okay. So she dropped all the cases. She, okay. So to be really clear, there were three cases that she dropped. Bricks, Aaron Lilly, and Chris Stout. The other case was in the appellate court. So she couldn't drop that because it was in court. The appellate judges that heard it in August. And she was waiting to hear. And it actually, strategically, it was the best thing ever because we knew that she would have a second bite at the apple if the appellate court came back in her favor, which they did. Mm-hmm. And so she does now, again, have a lawsuit against Hannah Palmer. Wow. Okay. So for my listeners that haven't listened to the podcast all the way through, I would highly recommend you you go through. And it is so fascinating that, so these kids are, you know, just like anything dumb I would have done, I would have done 
the whole time I'm listening to it, being I'm, I'm from Mississippi, so <laughs> the whole time I'm listening to it, I'm like, yep, yep, I used to do that kind of stuff. You know, you go to these festivals and. I was too prissy to ever camp, I'm sure. I would have been the girl that was sleeping in her car. But the fact that they, you know, went all day, had a good time, had a lot to drink, and were just, you know, living their 20-year-old lives. And what happened was that the friend said they woke up and she had fallen asleep in a hammock with this other guy who, by all accounts, was so drunk he could hardly walk. And she falls asleep in this hammock. They wake up in the morning, can't find her. They don't look for her. They don't go down to the tree where they said everybody went to pee because it was hidden. They don't look for her. She doesn't have shoes. She doesn't have her phone. So they're saying, we don't know what happened to her. We just assume she went off with somebody else. And then they just go about their day partying. That's what's so hard to believe. For the guys, not so hard to believe. But for her supposed best friend to not know where her friend is all day, and see all of her stuff is still there at the campsite, she would not just say, well, I'm sure she just went off with her ex-boyfriend. A best friend would not do that. They would be in a panic looking for their friend. So well, I, that's what I think. What I find really interesting are the postings. Now they're gone, but we have screenshots of them where they post saying best day ever. Are you kidding? Your friend's missing and it's the best day ever for you? Yeah, and you wonder if some of that was strategic, like we have to post all day like everything's normal. Um, the thing is, so the, the players involved are Hannah and Aaron. And Aaron is sort of a character in that he's sort of well-known to be a abuser and sort of a bad guy. So he's dating Hannah, who's Lauren's best friend. And then this other guy, Chris, is there and... He's just a friend, but by all accounts, Chris is the life of the party, the nicest guy in the world, just is drinks too much, gets a lot of DUIs. So by all accounts, he's so drunk that they don't think there's any way he could have even probably gotten out of that hammock, much less done anything to her. But then towards the end of your podcast, this other character comes into play named Bricks, which right. is funny because I'm like, that's such a Southern name, right? This guy right. is probably like Brixton something, something, and they call him Bricks. Um and in my mind, I'm trying so hard to figure out, like, the people that were on the houseboat that saw them said, how come nobody ever mentioned Bricks? And you were like, I've never heard of this guy. What are you talking about? Then you go back to your interview that you had in the apartment with Hannah, and you reference this weird guy that keeps walking through the room. And then you tie it all together and you say the weird guy walking through the room was Bricks. What did, did that just make your skin crawl when you figured out that this person that had walked through the room all these times that was unexplained was now this person that was there the whole time at the crime scene, to, for lack of better term? How we did the podcast is the way in a true investigation goes. It's not a storytelling. It's taking you through the reality of what happens during an investigation. And so you get little surprises through every investigation. Bricks was a surprise, but what was surprising is the depth of involvement and that he was never no one ever interviewed him. So going back through to the detective, the homicide detective, 
when I looked at his notes about why he didn't interview Bricks, he said that Bricks was on vacation. So you don't go and follow up with a kid who was also on the boat. On the very first episode, Bricks is in the audio. No one knows that's Bricks. I didn't know it was Bricks when I first heard it. I found out later it was. And he's kind of like this ghost shadowy person in the investigation. And his quote unquote alibi was he was with two girls in a car having their way with one another. Oh, my gosh. And the interesting thing about that is those two girls have avoided subpoenas. Those two girls have avoided me. And, you know, sooner or later, they're going to have to talk. Wow. Okay, hold on one second. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash instantinkspotify. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about these two girls. Yes. The two girls with Bricks. So Bricks and these two girls are around the whole time, but it is thought that Bricks goes up to the campsite. Do we think the two girls also went up to the campsite that night? I believe that that is a complete fabrication, that he was never with the two girls in the car. Oh. Because if he was, these two girls would, first of all, why wouldn't you talk? Why wouldn't you say, hey, he was with us. He had nothing to do with it. It's simple. And secondly, I believe the, thank God, when 2020 aired, that's when the houseboat people came forward. And that's when we found out 100% that Bricks was up there. But prior to that, I tried to interview Bricks. And this is the first month I had the case. And I got him on the phone and he blew a gasket. Now, I don't have that very often. I've been escorted out of homes and businesses and thrown out of places when people get mad. But I've never had someone blow up. And he did. So, of course, at the end, he said I could talk to his attorney, but wouldn't give me his attorney's name. And I hung up the phone and called Sherry and I said, I don't know what this kid did, but I'm telling you, I don't get this reaction unless something is not right. So you better add him to the lawsuit. And she did. We didn't know at that moment, other than him setting up the campsite, that he was actually up there when it was filed. So at the campsite now we have Aaron, who's a known kind of a bad seed. And then we've got Chris, who's the happy-go-lucky drunk friend. Then we've got Bricks, who seems to not be able to control his temper and doesn't seem like the greatest guy. And then we've got Hannah, who's Aaron's girlfriend. And then we've got Lauren. So we assume they're all up there together. These two girls are, are not really a thing. And 
somewhere in the night, she goes missing. Now, what is it about this Bricks guy? Because there was the phone interview with Chris because he was in jail. Was he in jail because he'd had multiple DUIs? He's had, I believe, three. One caused injury. One, he left the scene. I don't have that in front of me, but he has multiple problems. He's out now. Okay. But when the interview occurred when he was in jail, he said that he didn't really know Bricks and he couldn't really say because he was so drunk if Bricks was there or not. But then he said he had talked to Bricks since he was in jail because Bricks was taking care of his boat. Yes. Isn't that interesting? So Bricks is taking care of his boat. Bricks evidently is sending money to his account in jail. I, I don't understand that. If they don't know each other, they just met. Why would you do that? Right. Why is he taking care of his boat? And why is he sending him money if they don't really know each other? So that's a flat out lie. Um, there's something there. And and Chris, bless his little heart, he is touched as they come. He doesn't seem to know anything. Well, do you think that's true? Or he really is sort of in the dark on it? Or do you think he's uh, choosing not to know? I think it's a combination. I think, so, I, I do not think he is a very bright child <laughs> at all. Um, I do believe that uh, he was completely drunk that night from all accounts, not only the boat people, some other people that he was out of it. So he may not know what happened. I don't believe that Lauren spent the night in that hammock. That's a, a one person hammock. So I think she took pictures in it and that's about it. But and that was the first night, but I don't think she slept there. I know exactly what those hammocks are, the Enus, because yes. my kids uh, take them to camp. And it's it, when you think of a hammock, you think of like sort of a rattan rope situation where two people could lay, you know, feet to face and be comfortable. But that's not what these are. These are like nylon. Yes. And they're like a little, uh, almost like a swaddle when you get in it. It goes completely around you. So it it would be they do make them bigger, but it, even if the bigger ones, it would be pretty hard for two people to sleep in it without being completely, literally laying on top of each other. Well, and it was a one person; it, it wasn't the the duel, so it would have kind of circled them. I guess it's it's absurd to think that she slept there because yeah, yeah, but you know it. That's the story, and the only people telling the story are the campers prior to taking the fifth. Right. And another thing that was so fascinating to me was when you were at, you went to, it's Florida, right? Where Hannah and Aaron live together now? Yes. So they moved to Florida together. And that's when Bricks was walking through the room that you didn't know at the time that's who he was. So he just happened to be there when you're interviewing Hannah and obviously probably getting on his phone and reporting to Aaron, who then calls her. And you can hear, as you can with an iPhone, if somebody puts their phone up to their ear, you can hear the conversation. He says to her, stick to the story. Right. Well, what story would you have to stick to? Why don't you say, tell the truth? And she kept saying, tearfully, I just want this to be solved. I I just want people to hear my story. So... I feel that she is super conflicted and maybe she doesn't really fully know what happened. What do you think? 
I've heard that before. Um, my opinion, <laughs> my opinion is she knows what happened. Okay. So if she knows what happened, was she, was she involved or she was just told later, here's what happened. Keep your mouth shut. Um, okay. So I probably don't ever give out my theories because there's always new evidence that come our way. So if I put out a theory today, it's going to change because what's happened with the podcast is the tips that keep coming in. So I have an idea based on physical evidence what happened, mm-hmm. but I I don't think I can tell you exactly who the person was or what they did. Okay. Well, the way your podcast is going, I think for sure Aaron and Bricks together did something or one of them did something to her while sitting by the campfire and the other one helped cover it up. Now, how poor Chris got involved when I think he was just completely passed out in a hammock, I have no idea. Or if he's too brick shy of a load and they decided (laughs) to tell him that he did it and he's so drunk he didn't know. You know what? That is an excellent, very smart of you. Very, very smart. Listen, in my mind, I am a uh, (laughs) amateur PI. (laughs) You're a citizen detective. (laughs) Totally. I love that. It's so funny because my friend Ingrid and I say all the time, like, if you just give us a computer in like 20 minutes, we can figure out anything. I love that. (laughs) And that's the great thing is that's true. But what happens is because there are four people and you, everybody says four people can't keep a secret. Well, I know for a fact they're talking, but you know, yes, you're right. They can't keep a secret and their friends are telling us and their friends are, you know, emailing and and calling, but where do you take it? You can't take it to DeKalb. You can't take it to the DA. So the podcast is our only way of getting the true story out. How does the sheriff uh, feel, the one who came across as, uh, I mean, listen, I'm from the Deep South, so I'm from Mississippi. So hearing the sheriff's statements when he was being interviewed by the the prosecutor, I guess? The, uh, no, our attorney. Your attorney, okay. Sherry's attorney. When he was being interviewed, um, I don't even know how to say this without being offensive towards Southerners, because I am one. But he sounded extremely rednecky or maybe not so intelligent oh. just because of his grammar. And it made me cringe because I'm thinking, you know, he probably does know how to do his job, but he just came across so backwards, you know? Um, so do you really believe he knows how to do his job after listening to that? Uh, I think that on this particular case, his... Um, investigator his detective said look these people were drunk the girl fell off the thing and that's the story and he said okay and he did not take any further step to make sure that what his detective said was correct so i'm going to say if you look in that area and you look at how many girls have died on and in that water i think you may change your mind they don't know what they're doing really okay well, he he came across as a little bit of a Barney Fife, you know, and he's very calculated. Don't don't mistake his grammar for not knowing exactly how he's going to protect himself. Interesting. Okay. Well, just as just as a listener, 
I That's thought I thought he came across a little like I'm just sort of a dumb redneck and I live across from there and I've been fishing in this water for a long time. <laughs> All shucks, you know? Yeah. Yep. I mean, if, if you start looking, which I think Dateline's going to do story on it or Ooh. one of the um one of the places cuz once they started looking at Lawrence, they started noticing, wait a minute. It's not just Lauren. Really? Not just Lauren. Not just Lauren. So when I looked up Wakefest, because I wanted to be sure to say if, if it's on a lake or a river. So I looked it up, Wakefest, Tennessee. And the first thing that pops up, Wakefest, Tennessee, death. Was it Lauren's or somebody else? It was Lauren's. Okay. But it popped, that was the first thing that popped up when I Googled it, besides just the actual website for the Wakefest. Right. Um, so we've worked hard to make sure it's out there. Yeah. That has been on my part because I'm a mom. I don't want other people's children to get into a situation and have the same fate. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been on 2020 and it's going to be on Dateline. We are going to be on Dateline. Now it's going to be Dateline online because online evidently has a huge following. Who knew? Yeah. And uh, we didn't have the appeal in at the time that they filmed. So uh, they'll probably come back and circle around and do something. Okay. So let me just, let me just ask you the legal questions. So the appeal is the case that she has against Hannah, Aaron, and Chris. And Chris. Just four separate lawsuits. She dropped the three, which are the guys. Okay. Because because of the judge threatening her. And then the only one left was Hannah's, which was in the appeals court. So that came back that those three judges overruled. And they didn't only overrule the judge. They gave him an old-fashioned smackdown. And everything went back into the case. So... But the other three had already been dismissed. So now yes. the only the only like lawsuit out there, wrongful death is against Hannah. Yes. So it would be in Hannah's best interest to tell what she knows and turn the other guys in. And what do they have on her that she won't do that? She is married to Aaron now. <gasps> you stop. Really? They have they have a daughter. <gasps> wow. And Aaron is paralyzed now. This is taking left turns and right turns and U-turns. You are kidding me. No, no, and no. Okay. Well, I, okay. This is going to come out in a podcast that you're doing soon, I hope. Well, we're going to, I need to finish the forensic stuff. I I took a, a different approach by having, airing the depositions, because if I came on and said, these guys didn't do their job, it made a difference for them to say they didn't do their job. And so we are going to go through the forensics and then we're going to circle back to Lauren and the campers. So it will come out, but it's going to be a little bit. Okay. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, um, when are we going to hear more from your podcast? Well, I have a forensic person coming on, Mark Gillespie. He is so fantastic. Now, Bobby Chacon was fantastic. He writes for Criminal Minds, and he he goes all over the world doing his uh, work. Mark is the guy that can explain what forensics that 
were on the autopsy. So we're going to go through that. And I'm editing it. I've been editing it for two days because we talked for three hours. Note to self as a podcast person, don't talk for three hours (laughs) because it's a 30 minute episode and I want to put everything in there, but I had to cut it down to what people keep asking about. So it'll be out Thursday and he's going to do a Facebook live with me on Thursday night. Oh, great. Yeah. So he's, he's, actually coming to my house along with 10 other, no, nine other investigators, and they're spending the weekend here. Um, so it's probably the funnest weekend I have my entire year. It's They're so great. And we work on cases. That sounds like my dream. I would like to just be <laughs> the person that's bringing you all your uh, snacks and so I could just listen. Oh, well, cool. we're we're doing a, a podcast called Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, the American PI. And so we tape it now when we're together. Well, tell me about that, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. It is eight investigators. I'm obviously one of the eight. Mark Gillespie's another one. And we kind of, we just started. So we kind of introduced ourselves. And then we, the second episode is, all of us talking about each other and what we know about one another. And now we're going to go into the different cases. And we've got a case in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. We have a case, we have two huge cases in Texas. And so I bring these seven people together on my cases because they are the cream of the crop, the best of the best, and they know their stuff. So if I want to solve a case, these are the people that I bring with me and they came together with me last year to do CrimeCon, which is a workshop I do uh, at CrimeCon. It's a private investigator experience. And we give a real case to the people that attend and they go through the crime scene. We take them through everything. And each investigator has a group, a small group and walks them through. But months leading up to them, we're giving them information. Okay. Um, when is that going to be next? Because it sounds like right up my alley. So CrimeCon is in June. I think it's June 4th through the 8th. My event is on Thursday night. And so I'm the opening, the pre-event. Wow. It's a blast. And the people, I had 400 people do it last year. The people that do it are so smart. I love crowd investigating. And when you're saying that you like to do it, you're one of my people who I would want you to look at the case and give me ideas because I'm telling you from everything I do, it's the public, the the people that are involved in looking at these things that bring me something that I go, wait a minute, let's try it. And I'll be doggone. I have a case in Texas and it has helped. We go to court April 9th. I love the public's involvement. Well, it it is just like if you're writing something and you look at it so much that you don't see your spelling errors or whatever. So if somebody else looks at it, you know, sometimes it's like you look at something so much that maybe... You don't see the forest for the trees. And so exactly. I, that's that's why I love listening to this stuff. And I'm really excited about all this new podcast that you have, too. So that sort of wraps it around to what I ask at the end of my podcast, which is what podcast do you listen to? Now, of course, we have Broke, Busted and Disgusted, which is hilarious name for a podcast. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, my favorite podcast, I was thinking about it because, um, you know, right now I'm learning to be a podcaster because when I started, I didn't even know what it was. Um, but to listen to someone who tells true crime that I enjoy, it's Southern Fried True Crime. She does a fantastic job. And matter of fact, she was the first person, Erica, to reach out to me and help me with my podcast and the two cases, the very first case she did was in my neighborhood. I lived in a gated community and there was a shooting. And then um, she did another case that I was involved in. So she is a obviously podcaster, but she picks really good cases. I have heard about her from several people, and I believe I follow her on Twitter, and it's on my podcast feed. So that's just going to spur me to listen to it. I, I did look at her podcast feed of her stories because being from the South, I'm always interested in and Listen, you cannot make up some of the things that happen in the South. It's just Southern Gothic. Ugh. You know, you can't make it up. And I have a, a true crime, a murder in my family that I'll tell you about it when we're not on the oh. uh, on the mic. And it's just one of those things where you're like, no way, you can't make it up. And I looked at her feed and I thought, wow, there's some really good ones here. So I'm going to put that on my list for today. I love her voice, too. She has one of those voices that she I, I, I listen to her and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you could tell me a story all day long. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, listen, tell people where they can find out all about this case and your podcast and how to find out more and uh, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted as well. Okay. So you can find my podcast on iTunes under Without Warning, the Lauren A.G. case. And you can go to my website, which is SheilaWysaki.com. And I have a whole slew of things. It's being updated because the podcast has brought a lot of things uh, up that I want to uh, put on my website. And then Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, you can find on Facebook. You can also find out stuff on Without Warning on Facebook and Twitter. And we have Instagram. We have all the social media stuff. Um, when I'm in court... It slows down a lot because it's only me. Um, so I have some interns that help every once in a while and they're fantastic. But um, a lot of times they have to run it through me. And all of February, I'm pretty much out because of court cases. So this will, th when this comes out, you would have already had the episode with the forensics. And then after that, after you go through the forensics, then you said you're going to go back to the circle people. back. Yeah. Circle back to the, yeah. to the people. Yeah. Right. And I want to say one thing you, I want to tell you just because you are from the South, Briggs's name is not a Southern name. It's, he's actually named, his older brother is named Adolf. Briggs is named after the second in command for the Nazis for Hitler. What is happening? Are you kidding? I am not. And his brother's name is Adolf? It is. Okay. I, I, my mind is so blown after talking to you. I cannot even believe what I'm hearing. I know. Oh, my God. So he didn't have a chance from the get. It's not a Southern name. It is definitely not a Southern name. In my mind, his name was probably like, you know, um, Henry Brixton Smith VII or something, you know? Right, right. A real, yeah, Southern name. Nope, it's not. It's it's um, it's a Nazi second. name. It's a Nazi name. 
Okay, well, what a note to end it on. This should really just uh, lure people to your podcast even more because there's so many twists and turns. And what I love the most about your podcast, Sheila, is you play some audio maybe that is hard to hear and you stop it and you'll say, I know that's hard to hear, but listen to what he said. He said this, and then you play it again and you're like, oh, wow. So I love that because sometimes when things are hard to hear, you're like, wait, what? But you stop it and say, if you couldn't hear that, he said. I'm glad know. to know that. Yeah. It's I use, so when I started the case, who knew three years ago that I would be needing that audio? And I use it for court, obviously, but I never knew I was going to turn it into a podcast it is true life. I can't change it. I'm going to do uh, two other podcasts coming up on cases. And I have district attorneys calling me to do a podcast and also other attorneys. So it's the new way of investigations. Yeah, you're busy. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you asking. And, and anytime you want to talk about a case, call me. Listen, be careful what you wish for because I'm, <laughs> I'm that girl. I love it. All right, great. Thank you so much, Sheila. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye.